Amen. Yes, we, we are excited. Um, sometimes when we go on these trips, people say, oh, have a great time. Maybe you'll get some time to relax. Well, this is a missions trip, and we will be working. And, but we are excited. Honestly, it, I'm in my happy place when I'm in Liberia. And I said last year, I cannot wait to get back, and God has so graciously given us a second opportunity to go back. So we are excited. And again, we're excited that you're going with us through your prayers, through your fasting, and through your giving. This is significant to the body of believers in Liberia. And so you are making a significant impact to the people of Liberia. So thank you for that. I want to talk a little bit this morning. And the, the name of my message this morning is Remembering for Restoration. Pastor has given the theme of restoration for this coming year. You see it on the banners to the right and left. But we don't want to just be people that come in and see the banners and think, oh, those are nice, and hear a message and think, oh, that's nice. We want to be people that experience restoration restoration, real restoration, where people look and say, surely that was their God that did that. Nothing that they or we or you could do in and of yourselves. And I want to just give you a little, a little comparison between two kinds of birds. And I might mention too, Pastor Mike's devotion this week that you hopefully have read via email, the good things that God has done. Sometimes our memories, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute, our, our memories are just uh, focused on replaying all the negative. And so I want to tell you a, a little comparison between a hummingbird and a vulture. Now, right away, you, you immediately got a picture in your mind of those two birds. One is very sinister looking. One is usually in creepy movies. The other one is tiny and colorful and just flies around so cute. But here's the difference. A vulture instinctively seeks rotting flesh to eat. Dead flesh. That's what they thrive on. My husband and I, a few years ago, were taking a walk in Florida, and we were just walking through the development that we were staying in, and we, a little far ahead, could see these really creepy big birds with the, that, that neck that kind of just goes over and they were all eating something and as we got closer, they would kind of jump across the street to get out of the way but they weren't going very far. But they were eating some kind of a dead animal. That's what vultures do. Hummingbirds, on the other hand, they look for colorful flowers because they thrive and they live on the nectar and the nectar of a flower is fresh. The vulture is a symbol of decay and death. A hummingbird, a symbol of life and newness. Vultures live on what is dead and gone, lifeless. Hummingbirds feed on what is alive. They fill themselves with freshness. Is, is respected as a fierce fighter and a defender of their territory. Tenacious, and they can actually drive away larger birds. Now, again, you think of a big vulture and a little tiny hummingbird, but there are larger birds that can be chased away from that little hummingbird. And I was thinking about that, thinking, I want to be like the little hummingbird. I want to be tenacious. I want to be a fierce fighter in the spiritual realm, and I want to be a defender of my faith. When my faith is tried, I want to be able to look back and remember what God has already done in my life 
right? What God has done, what God has brought us through, what God has brought me through in the past, and defend that faith knowing that he will do it again. Each bird finds exactly what it is looking for. In life, you will find what you are looking for. What you are rehearsing in your mind, you will find that. So we want to talk this morning about remembering for restoration. What are you looking at? What are you looking for? We need a little bit focus. We need to have a little tweak in our eyesight. You know, when we go to the eye doctor, I, I hate these exams because it's so hard for me when they go back and forth with the little lens. Better, worse. Can you do it again? Better, worse. Um, better, worse. Like for me, they have to do it so many times and then I'm, I'm so nervous. What if I don't get it right? And then my glasses don't work. And I have these progressive lenses. I, I, you know, sometimes I got to put my head way back to see, and then I got to put you, you, you understand. But this morning, I want us to have an eye exam spiritually and really take note and take thought of what we are looking at. I stand before you, and I can honestly say it's been a week. It's been a week. Can anybody say that here? It's been a week. It's been a week. But because of my God in my life and what he's done in my life and for my life, I'm going to choose to look back and remember what he's already done. And so he's going to do it again. And I'm going to look back at this week and go, oh, that week? That was nothing to God. That's what I'm going to say. What are you looking for? What are you remembering? What is your outlook on your life? your future, your children, your job, your ministry situation, your trial that you're going through. What are you thinking about? Are you looking at your failures or are you looking at your potential? If you go for a job interview, you are not going to list on your resume all the mistakes that you've made in your life. Your resume is probably not even going to be fully truthful because you're going to color yourself in such a way that you're going to get that job. You don't look at your failures. You want them to know your potential. You want them to know that you're going to work hard. How are you responding to unfair or hopeless situations? Now, just stop right there for a second. Well, you don't know what I'm going through, Lisa. And you don't know what I'm going through. But I can tell you with tenacity and with fierceness that my God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ask or even think to ask, God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly. That's how I'm going to choose to respond to hopeless situations. Do you give up and believe the lie that life will never improve? Because that's what the devil's going to tell you. Things are never going to change. It's going to be like this always. That is a lie. Do you feel that things are never going to turn around for you? Well, I've got myself in this mess. I can't get out. You're absolutely right. You can't, but God can get you out. When you decide to totally 
fully, completely surrender it to him, he can help you get out of your mess. It might take a little bit of time to turn things around because of the time it took you to get into the mess, but I believe that God can turn around every single hopeless situation. If I did not believe it, I could not stand here and say it to you with such passion, but I believe it, and I want to believe it for you. I want you to say, wow, that encouraged me today. I believe that my hopeless situation is going to turn around. We want to look at someone this morning who was able to look back and remember the good things that God has done. We're going to look at 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 to 19. And we're going to look at David. I'm going to read some and skip over some because it's a long portion. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Ziklag. They had attached, attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. Their families, their children were gone, stolen, carried off. So when David and his men had reached back to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. You have God's permission to weep. That's not in 1 Samuel. I'm telling you, you have God's permission to weep. But if you're going to weep, weep here in his presence. Make a place of prayer in your home and weep before the presence of God. They wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's wives had been captured. The children had been captured. David was greatly distressed because here he is, everything stolen, and now all of his men, mighty men of God, were talking about killing David because of all the enemy that had stolen from them. Wow. With friends like that, who needs enemies? Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. Personal, his God. You can't find strength in someone else's God. You've got to find strength in your own God. And my God is the most high God that we serve. Then David said to the priest, bring me the ephod. So he did. David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? God answered, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So David started out with 600 men. Then a little bit later, 200 of them were too tired to go on. So David went on with the 400 and continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field. They brought him to David. They asked who he was, gave him food to eat. He told them, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. And then the the slave went on to tell them what had happened. David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? He said, just swear to me you're not going to kill me, and I'll take you there. So he did, let him down. And there they were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines. The enemy does that. He loves to gloat. Loves to gloat. Oh, no, I've stolen that, and you're never going to get that back. Oh, no, that part of your life is over. That can never be uh, resurrected again. That's dead. He loves to just revel in all of his stuff that he's brought our way. David fought them from dusk until evening of the next day. 
None of them got away. None of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels. And I always wondered why that scripture was there. I have to kind of figure that out. None of them got away except 400. They rode on camels. God's very detailed. They rode away on camels. So I always found that very interesting. But reading on, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing. We're talking about restoration here. This is our theme this year. The, the pastoral staff, as we minister this message this coming year in different ways, in life groups, from the pulpit, and in times of coffee with you, we want you guys to understand God wants to restore what the enemy has taken from you it says David brought everything back so back in one chapter prior in 29 here's David he's running from Saul Saul is the king and Saul is trying to kill David David has done nothing to Saul but Saul is jealous he's trying to kill him so David and his men had settled in the land of the Philistines in Ziklag. And so now they're, they're going to go out and fight the Israelites. So David, I'm going to go with the Philistines. Well, make a long story short, David had become friends with Achish, had, had gotten a good relationship with him, and he was the son of a Philistine king of Gath. So when the Philistines were going to go to war, they disapproved of David going. David wanted to go. David thought, well, this is where I am. Let me go and use, I, I'm, a, I'm a mighty man of valor. valor. I am a man of war and strength. I'm going to go and help. And I know sometimes we think in ourselves we know what we need. And we, we, we think God might even be in it. And we want to go forward in it. Whether it's a job, a personal situation, I don't know. Maybe right now you're thinking of something. You think it should go this way because that's what makes sense. But God is saying, no, that's not the plan. That's not the plan at all that I have. And that wasn't part of God's plan for David. And we have to keep that in mind with everything that we do. Even going forward with this trip to Liberia, it's got to be in God's plan. It cannot be man-made. It cannot be a nice, cute thing to do. I'm telling you, it's going to be hot there. The travel is grueling. You don't sleep well. But if God's hand's on it, we will come back to you refreshed and excited and revived. And we know that his hand is on it. <clears throat> We've got to factor in God in all that we do. They were traumatized. They were discouraged. They began to blame David. Talked about stoning him, killing him. Have you had situations in your life when you felt like giving up? When you felt like all I can do is weep, I can't even think about anything else other than what the devil is doing in my life. But I want to tell you something. The circumstances that you are in right now, here in this room, listening from home, the circumstances that you are in right now do not dictate or determine your future. But we have to have that in our spirit, in our hearts, so that when those hard things do come, those battles that do rage, we, have, we are planted on that firm foundation. We are able to say like Hebrews, God is the anchor of my soul. He's the anchor of my soul. So how did David manage to keep his positive outlook in the midst of very trying circumstances? And how can we? Number one, we need to remember the greatness of God. We need to remember the greatness of God. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. 
His family was kidnapped. His positions were, her possessions were stolen. But he did not buckle under the pressure. He did not buckle. He, I'll get to that later. He wept loud and long enough that he felt he would pass out. Maybe some of you in this room have wept and wept and wept until you could hardly peel yourself off the floor. What have you come home to find? What disappointments or tragedies have you had to deal with? Many of us have felt this way. Sometimes we actually may grow bitter and angry at God. Maybe we did get up, give up, but I'm here to tell you this morning, it's time to get up. It's time to change your outlook. It's time to trust that God is going to bring us through. We are in this together. Sometimes as pastors, we find out of these hard things, tragedies that have happened to people after the fact. We are a family. When you begin to walk through a season that you feel might take you out, come and talk to us. That's why we are here. We are Christian brothers and sisters to walk each other through the battle. Don't wait till it's already over. Come, speak. We're a family. Come, let us know. Let us pray you through. Let us counsel you through. Let us send you to someone who can. That's what the body of Christ is for. So David found strength in the Lord his God, because he understood that God, not circumstances, defined his life. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Oftentimes, we can turn on a television and maybe start to watch a movie or a, a, a new series or something, usually in pretty much the first 60 seconds, you can tell if that show is going to be noble, true, pure, right, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. You can pretty much tell. Some people say, well, if there's only one or two swear words, what movie has one or two swear words? If it opens up in the opening scene and they're swearing, they're going to swear the whole time through. Whatsoever things we say, we listen to, we watch, music, if we think on the things that God is asking us to here, he will give us peace. His peace will be with you. If you don't have peace, it's probably because you're not following Philippians 4, 8. You can have the peace that passes all understanding. In other words, the kind of peace that people can say to you, how can you be so peaceful right now, and you can literally say, it is beyond my understanding, outside of the grace of God. So to encourage yourself or strengthen yourself in the Lord means remembering how wonderful, magnificent, amazing, and awesome God is. But to do that, you've got to take your eyes off what you see, and you've got to put your eyes on God and remember the greatness of God. In Psalm 34, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And David had some trials out in that desert. He had some times of feeling very, very lonely out in those fields with those sheep. But he declared, I will bless the Lord at all times. That is hard to do. Sometimes that is, seems almost impossible to do. But if David can do it, we can do it. David was running from someone that wanted to kill him, but he chose to bless the Lord at all times and have the praise of God continually in his mouth. 
I love that song that we sang this morning, <clears throat> The Goodness of God. Pastor Mike and I were talking about that the other day. We are both adopted, so that makes us totally special, cool people because we are adopted. And we were talking about the goodness of God, and some of the things that we both went through growing up um, didn't seem good and really weren't good. But we could say, like the line of that song, I have lived in the goodness of God. I have. Amen. I have. Well, how can you say that if bad things happen to you? Because God has his hand on me even then. Listen, we live in a broken world with broken people. And sometimes we get broken by the broken people because it's a broken world. But that doesn't mean that God for one second took his eyes off Pastor Mike and myself or any of you when you were going through the bad things. His heart was grieved. We sang. It's like we have a God who weeps. A God who grieves. When we grieve, he grieves. But we have lived in the goodness of God. And the more we say that, the more we'll get it in our spirit. And the more the enemy will begin to understand, wow, she ain't fooling around. She's a fierce warrior when it comes to prayer. She's a fierce warrior when it comes to praying for people and her family. And the enemy has to flee. We sing about that here. Just the mention of his name. Jesus, when you walk into the room. But are we just singing it? When he walks in the room, you know, demons have to flee. Really? Really? That's why I'm up here on a Sunday morning, right here. I don't want any distractions. I love you people in the back, all of you. Love you, love you. But I got to be in the front, man. I got to do business with God because it's been a week. And for some of you, it's been a month or it's been a year or it's been a decade. And you've got to get up here. Look at this. We could put nice chairs up here and fill more people here. This is, this is for a reason. This is symbolic. This is a place of just coming up and putting everything aside and surrendering to the Lord, whatever it is that you're going through. The more we speak good things, the more we allow him to become who he wants to be in our lives. Mark 11 says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it is yours. Do you know if you keep saying, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind. Oh, my word, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm gonna, these kids are going to make me, blah, 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 I'm going to lose my mind. You're probably going to lose your mind. <laughs> then you're going to say, God, give me back my mind. No, we've got to speak differently. I'm not talking about a name it and claim it prosperity gospel. I'm talking about understanding that God has so much in the richness of his word for us. Promises. If you're not living in the promises of God, it's because you don't know them. Get in the word and know what God says about you. Saul had become jealous of David's anointing and he sought to kill him. David, the mighty, mighty warrior, had many opportunities to kill Saul. He could have said, I'm going to get him before he gets me. Because we say that a lot, right? I'm going to get them before they get me. I'm going to get my way. I'm not going to let them think they got their way. But David did not do that. Yeah, he ran. Nothing wrong with running and hiding. He did. But he still worshipped the Lord as God and he would always remember God's greatness. Psalm 37 says, I've always loved this scripture. I just love the picture in my mind it gives. The wicked plot against the righteous. We are, we are the righteous of God. And gnashes at him with his teeth. But the Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. The Lord laughs at your enemies, because he sees that their day is coming. 
Now, I'm not saying that we can just walk around in a, having hysterical fits of laughter all the time when you're having a week. But I am saying you can remember the greatness of God. And you can remember that scripture that says, my God is laughing at my enemies. What are you remembering? What are you rehearsing? David continued to remember what God had done for him. We need to speak the word of God over our lives. Exodus 14, 14, we have it in our home on a, on a plaque. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. That, that doesn't say you need only be lazy. You need only be slothful. You need only stay in your bed all day when you're depressed. You need only just give up. It says be still. And still here is talking about right inside our spirits, our hearts. Be still right here and know that he is God because he is fighting for us. Lisa Turkhurst, who has been through devastating circumstances in her life the last several years, she's an author, she said, I have a choice to have destructive thoughts or constructive thoughts right now. I can wallow in what's wrong, because it's wrong, right? There are wrong things. I can wallow in what's wrong and make things worse, or I can ask God for a better perspective to help me see good even when I don't feel good. Now, this isn't an author that has had this wonderfully perfect life. You want to know who she is? See me after. I'll spell her name for you. She's been through devastation. And this is what she could say. I need a better perspective to help me see good when I don't feel good. Number two, remember God's love. There is no force more powerful than the love of our Heavenly Father that he has for us, his children. His love can move mountains. His love can stop the roaring seas. His love can heal broken bones and wounded hearts. His love can transform lives. Listen, did he do it for us? I know some of your stories in this room. I know the lives that you've led. I know the devastation that you've experienced. But you're sitting in this room alive and well because of God. I understand that there are things that we go through. But it's the love of God that brings us to a place to understand that he loves us. Have faith in his love. We don't have to work for his affection. We don't have to do anything. God just loves us in our mess, in our failures, in our stubbornness, in our rebellion, in our sin. He loves us. He loved us so much he sent his son. We need to remember God's love. And David felt so rejected. He wanted to go help. And they sent him back. They said, no, you can't come with us. Go back. He felt rejected. But look at that. That was the hand of God. It was the love of God that said, I don't want you there. I need you here. Think about that. Had he just gone on, he wouldn't have gotten back in time to go rescue his families. He returns to the camp. It's plundered, burned, families kidnapped. Think about that for a minute. If the Philistines had allowed David and his men to fight, they never would have returned to the camp in time. They got there, and the fires were still smoldering, and they knew, wow, we can catch up with them. Sometimes God will put you in a direction that you don't want to go. You really would rather go this way. He might, he might not allow you to have a job that you think you're supposed to have. 
He might not allow you to go on a trip that you think you're supposed to go on. It's always the love of God that redirects us. Always. If you are living according to God's standards and God's word and you are praying, praying people, then you understand whatever happens in life, God is still in control. I loved something Rachel said, and I meant to tell you this week, wherever you are, I just saw you. Wednesday from the pulpit platform leading worship. She was just talking about nothing is allowed to take place in our life without the permission of God. And I went home and I, I was talking about that with my husband. Nothing happens without, look at Job. That's my, that's my reading right now. I'm in the book of Job, right? Right? But nothing happens without God's permission. So sometimes rejection is God redirecting you out of his love. Nobody likes the sting of rejection, especially if maybe it was a job and your resume was all that and you really thought you should have got it. And really, and, and technically you should have, but God didn't want you there. He has an assignment over here. So out of his love, he redirects us. We need to remember the unfailing love of God. Isaiah 43, when you go through the sea, I am with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not sweep you away. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not harm you. The word says his mercies are new every morning. His loving kindness is better than life. The love of God. Quickly, number three, remember God's promises and past deliverances. And this kind of tied in with what Pastor Mike shared a little bit. And I didn't even, um, this was already what I was doing, you know. But that was good. Remembering. See, we remember the bad. We certainly are good at remembering what somebody has done to us. Wow. Suddenly, even those of us with the dullest minds, we can certainly remember those. Right? You know, sometimes women as they get older, they, or, or men too, I guess, they get forgetful. But boy, when it comes to somebody hurting us, we seem to just have this phenomenal memory. But we need to be remembering God's promises and past deliverances. That's what David did. He was faced with an impossible situation, but he drew strength from past experiences in God and promises. Now, if you are able to do that, which you are, and get in a place where you know that you know that you know God is in control of what's happening in your life, you will find the peace of God in your heart and spirit. You will even blow yourself away and be surprised like how, we've said this, how am I even walking right now? Not about me. It's about the grace of God. I've said this to somebody recently, and I've said it so many times. You don't really know what grace is until you look back at your life and go, oh, that's what God's grace was. That's what God's grace look like, looks like. I came through that because of God's grace, not because of anything else. God will make a way where there is no way, but we have to trust him. If we try to do things our own way, we mess it up. Trust God. He's in the waiting. We hate waiting, but God is in the waiting. He's there. In Psalms, so many times, David encouraged himself in the Lord by remembering God's love, his guidance, and protection. David knew God's voice and how to listen for it. 
Listen, sometimes you just have to shut everything off. Even the worship music, I'm a worshiper. We are women of Judah. We are Judah Conference Liberia. Judah means praise. This is what we're all about in this church. We worship and we praise. But sometimes that can be an escape from really getting to the root of something and praying. I know that might not settle right with some of you. We have all worshipers, all worship leaders here, and we need to be worshipers. But there are times, and especially at home, in your prayer time with the Lord, you got to just shut everything off and speak to God what you need him to do in your life. Speak it to him. Speak the word of God out loud, not because he can't hear you, because the devil needs to hear you. The devil needs to hear you speaking words of life. Words of life. Words of life, not death. Words of life. The devil needs to hear that. He needs to hear you from your words without any music, just worshiping God from your mouth, all by yourself, worshiping God. The devil needs to hear that. But David knew God's voice because he spent time in his presence. He learned how to hear God's voice in those days in the, in the fields with all those sheep, tending the sheep. He remembered God, the promises that God would whisper to him as he worshiped the Lord. And that's another reason sometimes we have to just have quiet, especially in our times at home with the Lord. I, I want to hear what he says. And sometimes things are so loud, we can't hear God. So we need to remember his promises and past deliverances. Here's a good promise, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So if you know that promise, you could personalize it. I can be strong and courageous. I don't need to live in discouragement. For the Lord my God will be with me wherever I go. Let every stumbling block disappointment, delayed answer to prayer, every heartache, every trial, every battle become a stepping stone into what God has for you. Don't be so easily thrown off, thrown off course. Things happen, but if you are staying in that place of communication with God, he will bring you through. Remember his past deliverances. Remember what he's done before, he will do it again. 1 Samuel 17, back a few chapters, David uh, came upon the battle against Goliath. And so he was telling Saul, listen, I'll go out there. I'll, I'll go kill this giant. I've, I've killed a lion and a bear. God was with me then, and God will be with me now. Like, he didn't even take credit. He was telling Saul, listen, God is the one that helped me do this. I'm going to go kill this, 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 this horrible, horrible Philistine that's just spewing out venom and poison against God's people. He was reminding Saul of what had happened. We need to remind ourselves of what God has done in the past. And we know the story. If you don't, you can go home and look it up and read about Goliath. But we know that little boy David, teenager, with a little stone, went and flung it at the giant, killed him, and then cut his head off with his own sword because of God's power. Number four, remember to seek the Lord. We can do all those right things and not seek God. Verse 80 says, shall I pursue this raiding army? 
Will I overtake them? He was asking God, what do I do? Do we go after them? And the Lord answered him and said, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Right? David's faced with an impossible, desperate situation. If God doesn't move, there's nothing that David can do. And remember, he started out with 600. Two of them needed naps, so he went forward with 400, but it wasn't the 400 men that rescued and brought back all that plunder and their families. It was the power of God because they believed that God could do it because David had done all these things right. There are things that we have to do right, not to, not to uh, uh, gain God's love, but because this is how he's asked us to live our lives as Christians. Seek the Lord. Don't go forward with something if you are not sure of if, if it's God or not. Seek God, seek counsel, seek someone that in the Lord, a mentor, someone that can help you make that decision. Remember to seek the Lord, and that's what David did. He cried out to God. All of his, all of his buddies, right, all of his friends, all the warriors, they want to kill him, and then 200 of them get too tired, and he goes on with 400, but he went forward in the power and the might of the Lord. I don't know why we make it so difficult sometimes. His word says, seek the Lord while he may be found. It's as simple as that. We need to really make a new habit of inquiring of the Lord about everything. Psalm 37 says, fret not, don't be anxious, stop worrying, trust in the Lord, practice being faithful, be happy in the Lord, surrender yourself to the Lord. David could have saddled his horse and taken off on the trail of the raiding party without even thinking of God, right? Just second nature, we have to go and, and rescue, second nature, but he took the time, precious time, because every minute counted. How far were they going to be away from them? Every second counted. And sometimes in our Christian walk with God, we think, I don't have time to pray. I've got to go and do. That's the first sign of you shouldn't have gone and done. Anytime you don't have time to pray, that's not a good time to go forward. We've got to pray. David took time. He paused. He waited. Imagine the chaos and the anger and the wailing all around him. But he took time to seek God. And God answered him and told him what to do. We have a tendency to talk to people first. We need to talk to God first. David didn't panic. David didn't whine. David didn't quit. He and those 400 men continued the pursuit. Suddenly all these men are his best friends after they go and bring everything back. I'm sure those men, David, you're the man. You rock. Wow, you're awesome. We got all of our wives and kids and everything else back. You're great. But it wasn't even David. It was David's obedience to go, and then God did the restoration. Amen. When you're doing what God tells you to do, listen to this. Bo both ears, my mother used to say, go to school, zip your lip, and open your ears. When you're doing what God tells you to do, there will be setbacks. There will be. There will be disappointments, and there will be discouragements. But I want to tell you, I'm, I'm with you. I'm holding your hand, too. We're in this together. Keep going. Keep going. Keep doing what God has asked you to do. Is it easy to get on a plane to go across the ocean 
and, and, and be obedient to what God wants us to do when there are things that I feel like, no, I got I to gotta control. There's some things I need to do here, God. That does not matter. God is saying go. There might be something that God is asking you to do. Maybe it's not to go across the ocean to another continent. Maybe it's to go across the street. Maybe it's to talk to someone about Christ. Maybe it's to start being nicer to somebody. I don't know what it is, but there will be setbacks. But you keep going anyway, and God will honor that. Remember to seek the Lord. And then finally, verse 19 tells us nothing was missing. Nothing. Look at these banners. This is a year of restoration where nothing will be missing. What the enemy has stolen, God is going to give back to you. David brought everything back, not only his family, but everything that was stolen. The enemy wants to distract us with lies. He wants to bring hate. He wants to bring disunity. He wants to bring depression and distraction and doubt and fear and strife. If it's negative, he wants you to think it. But the more you spend time with the Lord and take that time that's needed, the more you learn to discern and recognize his voice. My husband and I, we're still learning because we're still on the journey, but we have learned to hear and recognize his voice. Pastor Mike, Pastor Maureen, our elders and staff, we've learned we can still learn. Sometimes we've still got to quiet things to hear that still small voice. And I believe you can learn as well. And the more you spend time with the Lord, the more you learn to discern and recognize not just God's voice, this is important, but the enemy's voice. And they sound completely different. God is speaking life and restoration. The enemy is speaking death and destruction. Whose voice are you going to follow? Are you going to choose to be a vulture or a hummingbird today? Are you going to choose to remember the negative and all the bad things, even the bad things that happen to you that you hold on to for years sometimes? Or are you going to remember that you're sitting in a seat here today because of God's saving grace in your life and in my life? That's why we are here, because of God. Outside of God, there is hopelessness. But I want you to remember God's goodness, God's love. God's past deliverances, his greatness, and remember to inquire of the Lord, and God will meet you right where you are. I'm telling you from experience, he will meet you right where you are. God bless you.